a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian. Uh, I am discussing Return of the Jedi this week with my friend, my DC3 co-host, my fellow music obsessi, Vince Ostrowski. Hello, Vince. Hi. It is Thanks nice, for having me. It's nice to have you on the show. Uh, you, you've been on Force Ghost before, but it's been a while. I have. Been a while. And uh, <laughs> Oh, we're, we're starting that bullshit Of course already. we are. You get us on the podcast, the bullshit just starts, my friend. <laughs> So, uh, we're here to talk about Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, released in 1983. Um, what is your earliest memory of seeing Return of the Jedi? Uh, well, I, I feel like... I feel like the, you know, the original trilogy kind of all blends together as far as, like, <clears throat> when I saw them. I'm pretty sure, you know, we had the box set, and my little brother and I would just run those back like all day on a Saturday and just cycle through the three movies. Um, my earliest memories, I guess, are of, you know, me as a, a very young child being kind of afraid of some of the things in Star Wars, you know, but like mm-hmm. not, it, it, didn't, it never prevented me from watching them, but I was like, you know, morbidly curious about some of this stuff that I was afraid of. Like when I was really young, Jabba's palace was terrifying to me, (laughs) but in some ways that made return of the Jedi for the longest time, my favorite, uh, movie in the series. Uh, it's not that anymore, but, um, but when I was a kid, it definitely was. And it was because, uh, like I dug the Ewoks, they were four kids, right? So, (laughs) So like it worked on me. Um, I dug the setting. I dug like going back to Tatooine for Jabba's palace, and uh, like that part was so creepy and 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 weird to me, even more so than the the cantina scenes in 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 A New Hope. Um, and that fascinated me as a kid. I loved the like heist aspects of that opening when i was a kid and we had a micro machine do you remember micro machines of course i remember micro machines. yeah we had a micro machine set of uh jabba's palace and it came with a sail barge and it came with the like uh his like throne room thing uh and i would just act out that opening of return of the jedi just over and over again with that toy because it was just like the weirdest, coolest, best sequence in all of Star Wars to me. And in some ways, I st- even though it's not my favorite movie anymore, I still feel like that segment is so weird and memorable. It's it's one of the best segments across the series. Yeah, let's talk about that uh, in a minute. I- I've said this on the show a number of times, and so listeners are sick of me saying it, but I believe the first Star Wars film I saw was Return of the Jedi. Oh, At that's least it's the first one I remember. You know, I, I feel like when I was... So my parents moved from one house to another when I was five. And I remember watching Return of the Jedi in the first house that we had lived in. So I was 
I was five or younger. So I might have seen the first two, but I'll, this is the first one I remember. And I remember being terrified by the Force Lightning at the end. That, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's sort of my, my one memory of this movie as a kid. Kind of like my one memory of seeing Flash Gordon as a kid or the Flying Monkeys. <laughs> or how my one memory of Superman 3 as a kid is when the evil sister goes into the computer and becomes, like, <laughs> subsumed by it. Like, I just remember the scariest shit from yeah. these movies as a kid, right? Um, oh, yeah. But I, I will agree with you that for years, I would argue that the the opening Jabba's Palace sequence was the most fun Star Wars sequence that there was. Um, and I, I don't totally disagree with that now. I think that there are a lot of problems with that sequence as I rewatch it, not from a watchability standpoint, but from sort of a writing standpoint. Sure. Like yeah. when you think about all the things that have to happen for that plan to work. Yes. Basically everybody has to do their job as poorly as possible. So they're all <laughs> trapped, but R2 has, to, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of, you know, Oh, it's so convoluted and, and and uh unlikely yes and i and i would i would argue that the the endor stuff is just as much if not more so <laughs> probably yeah. yes but but you're right it's so watchable it's just that whole sequence is just so beguiling you know <laughs> so i just talked with alice about this uh last time we did one of these episodes which is that when you watch so I, i've seen every star wars film in the theater because of the special editions. Yeah. And yep. when when you saw Empire, whenever a character returned, it's an, a, a character you already know, they basically got like an applause break in mm -hmm. the film where there's just five seconds or so for you to soak in, oh, look, that's Han Solo. You know, there's a Force ghost and it's Ben Kenobi. You're, just, you're given these like little moments to, to sort of appreciate them. And Jabba's Palace has that also. Like, you just get... There's a shot where you realize, like, oh shit, that's Lando. Yeah. In that getup, you know, or you realize, or you know, there's a, a guy, a dark figure coming, and you realize it's Luke. There's just every character is given like a really memorable entrance uh, mm -hmm. in this sequence, and I think when you're younger, you just eat that stuff up. Oh, for sure. And and another thing that I thought was really cool when I was young was the idea that there was something of a time skip there because, uh, you know, Han, Han gets frozen and dragged there in between movies. Right. And when it starts up, you're, you're kind of, I don't remember if it tells you straight out and I just wasn't paying attention, but, uh, you're kind of in the dark as far as like, okay, when is this take, how much time has passed? what's everybody else been doing, you know? And then as you slowly see them work their way back in, it does, it gets you like, oh shit, there's Luke. He's, yep. you know, he's, he's been working on this the whole time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe it's supposed to be about a year after yeah, the end I'm, of Empire. I think. I'm not sure. And I just watched it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's why it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's an inde indeterminate matter. amount of time. No. You know, there are some things in that sequence that are super memorable. Um, I mean, I just think that Jabba's palace in general strikes a really interesting balance between sleazy and still kid-friendly. 
mm-hmm. it, it never gets downright like gross, but it gets pretty close to gross. Yeah. Both in terms of like the uh making Leia wear a gold bikini mm-hmm. <laughs> and also yep. just like the grime of it. And feeding a dancing slave girl to the rancor. Yes, exactly. All of those things just are you know, it's it's gross, but it's not it's something a kid will watch and they'll know that like oh that's bad but they but their mind's not going to go to yes, places exactly. that are dark you know like like us when like <laughs> we see this dom and sub relationship that java and uh, yes. salacious crumb have you know? yes exactly <laughs> um, uh, we should say we are recording this the day that the mandalorian dropped oh. and uh, some of salacious crumbs uh uh friends are getting roasted in uh in a sequence in uh, the Mandalorian. Wow, spoiler alert there <laughs> so okay first of all it's in the trailer so yeah if you've seen the trailer you've seen it um anyway yeah. but yes um so a couple of things before we get to to sort of my my favorite bits of this sequence there's a really really weird relationship established here between the rancor and its handler I love. I'm so glad you brought that up. That is one of my favorite parts, honestly, in all of the original trilogy because it is so weird, <laughs> and there's so much. It what it lasts what five seconds maybe, and yet maybe tells, five seconds. It tells such a story, <laughs> and that <laughs> guy comes back in one of the aftermath novels. Oh God. <laughs> Okay, we don't need that. <laughs> well, the you aftermath know. novels have have like uh, let's say every third chapter is a like three page micro story from the Star Wars universe. Okay, so one of them involves him. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, so so you know, uh, Luke kills the Rancor by essentially having a gate fall on its head, and then you know Jabba's pissed about this because Jabba wants to see Luke eaten. And um, and so we, we we see Luke taken out of there, and and then the, the camera just kind of pans to the left, and there's the handler of the Rancor, and he's just crying, and he gets hugged because he's so sad his thing is dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. It's amazing. It's that's such a whoever decided that that should be a thing, you know, like yeah. <laughs> What what movie does like in movies today, they would just show like the the rancor keeper like looking stern in the corner, yes. you know. But he's like blubbering because his pet died. It's yeah. incredible. It really is. <laughs> it's um, such a great character bit. Bit. We we also one of my favorite things as a kid, and I don't know why I like this so much. I loved watching. 3PO kind of struggle with the languages. Yes. I just felt like it was it was a um I, you, you can't really humanize a robot, so I don't want to say humanize, but like it was just it was bringing 3PO down to our level a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the least obnoxious 3PO uh scenes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well well said. Um for sure. And I, I, I like how R2 is the one who, like, seems to know. He's, R2 confidently, like, busts into Java's palace. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, you know? exactly, yes. And just keeping 3PO in the dark the whole time. <laughs> Which and again, is sort of that's, the theme of Star Wars. <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I, 
again, like I apply my own like sense of what the story might be there. And I, and I almost think like if R2 tells 3PO, is he going to blow it? You know? Right. Of <laughs> like, course. Yeah. Like I, I just love that idea. And it's, it's, it's unspoken. They don't, they don't make that clear. That's just something that I add to the narrative by the way it all plays out. You right. know? Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, an- another thing I like, can I, or what sure. were you going to no, say? Go, no, go for it. Yeah. So when you're a kid, you think Han Solo is like the coolest dude ever, right? Like you mm-hmm. want to, you want to be Han Solo. I didn't notice until I was an adult, really until I watched it with my stepdaughter, uh, like a year or two ago, how hammy Harrison Ford is in, well, throughout this movie, really, but especially in Jabba's Palace. So <laughs> in Jabba's Palace, he is he is basically like he's walking around with a spotlight on him telling old timey vaudeville jokes like he, he is. is he he's is, Billy Crystal. Yes, he's yes. So for, for Jabba's Palace, he's Billy Crystal. And for Without the, rest the jazz of the, man character. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and then for the rest of the movie, Harrison Ford is basically mentally balancing his checkbook once the check <laughs> clears. Like he has no interest in anything once the movie. He is just so checked out for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a pretty stunning. Uh, it's a pretty stunning change that happens midway through the movie. It, it really <laughs> is, and I, I I love him in the beginning of the movie when he's like. Oh, Chewie, I can't see. I can't see. And like yeah. everybody, everybody's got delusions of grandeur. He's, yeah, he's like Woody Allen or something. He, he's but, playing with a cigar in his one hand. And he says that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's good. It works. It, it really work. like it really works. It's so it's it's not charming in the same way that you imagine Han Solo is charming. But it's it's it, again, it's just a very interesting thing about that sequence. Yeah. Um, that also has that, my, uh, he has my favorite line reading uh, in the film. Not too far later. Oh uh, yeah, say it. I, I'm sure you've told me this before. It's where where they're on the barge. They're going out to the Sarlacc pit, and Hans is like, you know, it was all a big dark blur. Now it's a big light blur. And Luke says, "You're not missing anything. I grew up here, you know." And he goes, "You're gonna die here, you know." And oh. he says it like such a dick. And uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, he's like Egon from Ghostbusters at that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, uh, yeah. No, that's that is a great line. Um, <laughs> the so as long as you brought it up already, like in the back half of the movie, yeah, he's he's totally phoning in the the Endor stuff, mm-hmm. and and honestly, that stuff's not all that good anyway. There's a lot of memorable imagery from that. But as far as the story is concerned, it's it's just kind of biding for time. Yes. And uh, and we'll get deeper into that later. But but regarding Harrison Ford, the stuff with with him and Leia and Luke and like this misunderstanding he has mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, you know that she's in love with Luke or whatever after all this time, that is as bad as the worst uh, stuff between Anakin and Padme. In the prequel trilogy, I, that I, is, that I, is so yes, happy. Yes, it is. The benefit it has is that it has two and a half movies worth of goodwill built up for it. That's so you, true. So you don't, so you don't notice it as much. But it's just as bad. You're right. It's a thing I didn't notice until I was an adult watching, you know, revisiting the movie, where I'm going, ah, this is this is like, 
like Han is like in high school. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mentality is it's far basically as, like... Greece, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. Um, it's bad. Um, but yeah, back back to Jabba's palace. Um, just like I, I, I love how that ends with their like with Leia choking Jabba and then them like wrecking shop out on the sail barge that it's just so beautifully like sequenced. Like to me, that's a very sophisticated action sequence for its time. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it, it begins with Luke being pushed again, like just, you know, well, what would happen if they pushed Han out the plank first? Yeah. <laughs> this whole plan falls apart. But, you know, but Luke right. is pushed out, and then he, he does a cool flip move off the diving board. And Coolest gets his... thing as a kid I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I would have given 10 years off my life as a kid to be able to do that. Like, easy. <laughs> easy. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, R2 shoots him the lightsaber. And then that whole sequence is great. The stuff with Han being blind and having to shoot the Sarlacc, like, yeah. love that. Love, like you said, Leia, Leia choking out Jabba fucked me up as a kid, too, though. Because that's about as gruesome a death as you'll see in a kid-friendly movie. Mm, he's yeah. Get, he's getting the life choked out of him, essentially. He is, yeah. He's got all that slop coming out yep, of his yep. mouth. And, he has, yeah. like, the spittle on the side of your mouth, but all over his face. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, I also I feel like at the end of Empire, you get the impression that Lando is is going to stick around, but you don't really know till you see him in the beginning of Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you realize he's part of the team, and uh, you know just everything about that sequence is is really really great. And I even love how Luke says like, "Let's go and don't forget the droids," and they pick him up with that magnet magnet that just happens to be on that ship as well um but just like everything about it feels very much like a republic serial it, it feels like it's the most indiana jones sequence of a star wars movie yes yeah absolutely yep <laughs> and I, I really like that um so we then get as you know much like in empire where after hoth we see the main characters split up for a little while Mm-hmm. Before Luke. we move on, can I mention one oh, sure. thing? Sure, yeah, yeah, go for it, of course. Uh, the special editions completely ruin the musical sequence. You don't think Jenna and Rocks is a good song? I hate, I hate that it's alien so that like oh, screams yeah. into yeah. the. Oh, it's so bad. The Kushball alien. Yep, I cannot. <laughs> oh man, what were they thinking doing that? Like, who are they appealing to? Um. Oh man, and the same is true of the end of the movie. Yes, uh, and with... I I legitimately think the original Max Rebo band song is a jam. Yes, and, oh it is. And they uh, they replaced it with that really stupid Jedi Rock song. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> as today has shown us yet again, Lucas will never if they didn't if he didn't sell it to <laughs> Disney, he would still be tampering with these movies till today. <laughs> so. So now you got to explain that. No, no. This, this comes out Friday. People who listen to this podcast, I think, probably have an idea of what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, I, I guess if not, so, <laughs> so today Disney Plus launched, and there was uh, people who were watching um, a uh, <laughs> watching a New Hope, and there's a scene 
with um, <laughs> this the Han and Greedo scene, which has been changed a minimum of three times before this, <laughs> right? Because Han yeah. shoots first, then Greedo shoots first, then they shoot at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and now there's this one where right before he's shot, Greedo says, <laughs> McClunky. <laughs> and so I, I had read this before I saw this. And I, I was telling our mutual friend, friend of the show, Walter Richardson, when, when I read McClunky, I thought he was going to be like, McClunky! Like, like screaming something like, you know, don't do it! Or whatever. But he says it like it's... He says it like it's his catchphrase, like McClunky, and then he gets shot. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> McGarnagle. McGarnagle. <laughs> you gotta do it for me, Billy. You yeah. gotta do it for McClunky. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Um, but yes, that the Jedi Rock song sucks. It really does. Yeah. Um. It's interesting. Uh, Alice pointed this out last time that Empire is the Star Wars film that Lucas had the least hands-on stuff with as it, as it was being made. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that's also the one he messed with the least in the special editions. You would think that he would want to put more of his imprint on it, but maybe maybe he thought he was correcting mistakes. And because he didn't do that movie as much, he can't really... There aren't mistakes to correct. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yep. that's the only watchable one, essentially, um, of the uh, <laughs> of the bunch, <laughs> uh, special edition wise. So anyway, um, so yeah, so so Luke goes to Dagobah, and uh, w- this is the scene where we get actual confirmation that Vader is not fucking with him. He is his father. We see Yoda basically pull a Ben Kenobi and sort of disappear into the Force, which you know that that's something that's so iconic with Star Wars, but I think we've only seen that happen now three times over eight or ten movies, mm-hmm. right? We see it with Yoda, with Kenobi, and then with Luke. I think so. I think everybody else has been murdered. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Vader kind of he sort of quietly dies off camera. <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that later, though. Um, but is there anything about this Dagobah sequence you want to say? Because I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah, there's not there's not much. When I was a kid, again, like Yoda dying was a huge bummer. Now as an adult, like you just it's it's a it's a story beat that you would have seen coming, you know. Yeah. Um, if you've seen like a million movies. The I think the stuff I, I I love that Luke and Leia are our brother and sister. I think that's a great story beat. I think I think the way that all plays out, include you know, and, and this goes back to the the Han triangle. I think it's all really clunky. The way that like he finds out when he tells Leia, you know, it 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 literally does feel tacked on because. It was <laughs> like yes, exactly. Half, halfway through this, you know, um, Lucas claims that it was always part of the plan. Yeah, okay. and Lucas is a goddamn liar because there is yeah. no you would never have chosen to do it this way if this was always the plan. Right, and it's not. Yeah, it's not just about the kiss from Empire. It's about like the way that that detail is unfolded too in the in the movie. Like it's just not. 
it's not smooth. It's not natural. It comes off as very strange, but I, th- I don't think the script of this movie is very good. Oh, it's not. <laughs> I think, I think the only part script wise that really passes muster is the very, like the very end stuff with the emperor and Luke and Vader. And I, I think that sequence is pretty well done. Um, yeah. All things considered, but man, yeah, the script is rough in a lot of other aspects of this movie. The one part about of this, um, the one part of, uh, of this scene that I do want to talk about is how they basically, this is where Lucas tries to retcon what Obi-Wan said in A New Hope into being plausible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole from, from a certain point of view. Yeah, from a certain point of view. Uh, line, which, you know, <clears throat> I, I suppose that's not untrue, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's, again, when Lucas tries to convince you that all of this was meticulously planned out beforehand, you just, this is where you can really tell how full of shit he is. Because nobody would choose to tell this story this way. Right. Um, but anyway... So, um, so then we, we get we get some some Mon Mothma for the first time, um, yeah. in the trilogy, and we find out about Death Star Two, and and here's what I wanted to talk to you about with Death Star Two. Everybody thinks that this is a a clear retread, and it is, and everybody thinks that it's lazy, and it is, but when you were a kid, did you think that this was? a bad bit of movie making? Absolutely not. And I, 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 even as an adult, I don't get hung up on that because I think, especially considering that it's like only three quarters of the way done. I, I love that imagery. Um, I think that's a fantastic image. I think, um, I mean, I think it's something that would happen too. Like, if there were an evil emperor, you know, like it never bothered me that they didn't come up with some other thing. You know, as far as this trilogy goes, that's that's almost like a a nice mirror mirroring of of what happened in the first movie. You know, right? Um, what I will say is that <laughs> a lot of times you see Lucasfilm correct their mistakes later down the road where something will happen and then it will be explained away in a novel that you know two percent of the movie going audience will read but but they can say oh no we addressed that you know this is like the opposite of that in every possible book tv series everything the death star is always talked about as this like stunning achievement it took so long it took so many workers they really doubled down on the legacy of the first death star mm-hmm. which just makes it somewhat improbable that they could just turn around and replicate that so quickly yeah <laughs> you know um but again i don't think it's the worst thing in these films i think if that's what you're really hung up on you know God bless you, but there there are other things in this movie to be more upset about than the fact they're making Leonard Death Star. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So there's uh you know, after this, you know, we, we get the the plans and we see that basically the gang is going to be back together. 
for for the mission on the surface of Endor. You know, Lando's going to go off and be a general, and Luke, Leia, Han, and the droids and Chewie are going to go to the forest moon of Endor to disable the shield, blah, blah, blah. And I guess we saw the whole gang together at Jabba's palace, but this definitely feels like a... Um, a note that was given to Lucas, like, hey, we didn't get to see our characters we fell in love with together that much in Empire Strikes Back. Can we correct that in Return of the Jedi? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Do you agree with that? Yeah. Nope. Um, and as you said earlier, the Endor stuff really is kind of a snooze in this movie. Yeah. I, I remember liking it as a kid, but now that I'm older, that there's so much kind of dead air in it. Yes. <laughs> and things that things that are just lame or don't make sense. Like what I still don't even really know. When like Han taps that one uh <laughs> Stormtrooper. <laughs> Stormtrooper on the shoulder and then like runs by like like that that's what they came up with for this. <laughs> that's how they got out of this jam. That, that that just that just comes off as such a lame uh lame bit, you know. Yeah. I love the setting though. I love that's the one yes. thing I really do love about Endor. It's such an iconic setting. When I was a kid, I I would have I keep saying like I keep talking about when I was a kid. I'm I'm having a real nostalgia kick here. Um but I so badly wanted like a system of tree forts. Oh, like you didn't. That. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, um it is it is a really good setting, and it's a good setting in part because it's so different than anything else we had seen in Star Wars at this point. It it was it was a wholly unique setting. Every other planet we had been to was nowhere near as forested as this, uh, and so I think that that's that's one of the benefits of of the planet in general is just that you get this totally different look than the rest of the of the films. Um, as a kid, I always thought that Leia was giving Wicket saltines. <laughs> okay, because you really don't see what, what what she's giving him. Yeah, but you know, it just it looked like saltines to me. I don't know why. Um, and in reality, it was edibles. <laughs> yes, it was. Here, <laughs> this is some premium Kush. Um. Uh. Yeah, um, I really don't have too much to say about about the Endor stuff. I uh, I always loved but groaned at the uh, we have to make the the Ewoks think that three uh, PO is a god sequence. Yeah, yeah, the Golden God. Yeah, yeah, yep. That that was that was weird. I, and again, that really doesn't serve any. Um, well, I, mean, I guess it does because it gets them to 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 work together or whatever. But yeah, I I don't know. That's yeah, that's a that's a big stretch. I think the short term benefit of that also is that we get to find out the three PO does dope uh, sound effects. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. That's great. Uh. <laughs> Very, very realistic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, 
but this is also the, so well then when 3PO is telling the story of uh of of their lives i guess um we see luke and leia go off and this is where luke tells her that that she is his sister and is it fair she's, a, she's always known yeah but is it fair to say that that she she doesn't quite understand why he is doing what he's doing like he says he has to go off and see vader and she just like really resists that yeah and you know, partially, I I totally get that she's trying to protect her brother here, mm-hmm. and she's scared for him. Um, but Leia is like the first person in these movies who will jump into danger, and so I always felt that was a little bit out of character for her to be so against him doing this. Yeah, I I kind of think so too. I, I I remember that part being very oddly scripted as well. Um, she says something like you could run away you could run away or yes, exactly. whatever you know yeah. that just doesn't i don't i don't know considering everybody else there's about to sacrifice the, potentially sacrifice themselves i guess i don't get yeah i don't know that that seems like a stretch too yeah um but then we get han's little uh like he's like, what's wrong? He says, I can't tell you. Oh, but you can tell Luke, huh? Yeah, and, yep, uh, yep. And, uh, <laughs> is just terrible. Is is really childish reaction to all of this, you know? He's mad at the guy who has, who by by his own admission has saved his life twice. Yeah, yep. That's two I owe you now. He, he actually says that out loud, and yeah. still has the balls to be mad at Luke for this. Well, well there's the two. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Uh anything to add before Luke goes up to the uh goes up to meet up with Vader and uh, the Emperor? Um I was I, upon rewatch, I was surprised at how poorly the special effects of the speeder bike sequence aged. Were you watching the special editions? No. Okay. No. Um the the originals. Do you have uh, those on on DVD or something? I can't say. Okay. Can't, can't say on this uh, recording. You use how, I, ha- how you, I have these. You used Pee Wee Herman's magic screen. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I I wonder I wonder how they look on the special edition. What was my what was my comment on that? Because oh I don't know. I'm I know I've seen the special editions because I saw them in theaters, and for a while those were the only ones you could get. Um. But since procuring the originals, I've never gone back, so right. I just can't do it. Um, yeah, but no, you're right. It's very like 1980s blue screen technology. Yeah, especially like I think compared to uh, some of the stuff in A New Hope with like the land speeder or mm-hmm. some of the. Um, Hoth stuff in Empire, like the technology is probably better in Return of the Jedi, but the re- the end result is not quite there yet. You know, agreed completely. It's a it's like how like VR video games are all right now far worse video games than like non VR ones because it's just uh, such new technology. Right. So I feel like I feel like it 
the speeder bike sequences again i used to think they were cool and then like you see them as an adult and you're like oh those effects are kind of crap actually (laughs) yeah um so we then get luke basically going to turn himself over to vader and i feel like this sequence feels in a way more important than it should because they've only really had one scene together thus far in the trilogy and yes he's his father yada yada all of that but i i find it to be a, a like i'm impressed with how much import this scene carries despite the relative lack of build up to it mhm yeah yeah and i think part of that's due to um the scripting is pretty good in this part the performance is pretty good in this part um i mean i i think the sequence as a whole is really well done and not you know one thing that happens at the end of these epic stories sometimes is that they they come to like underwhelming conclusions whether it's because the creators are trying to be too clever or uh you know, trying a twist that doesn't work or something like that. And it just, it just straight up tells a solid, like good versus evil father versus son story right to the end. I guess the twist is that like Vader somewhat redeems himself, but still pays the ultimate price for it. And all of that rings true narratively. So it's just extremely well done across the board. It is. And there are, there are also a couple of elements that I think are relatively unique to this to this uh, sequence. One of the things that would be a big uh, complaint people would have about The Last Jedi a number of years later is Luke's sort of passive approach to everything. But that all begins here. Mm-hmm. Luke purposely says he's not going to fight. Mm-hmm. And he, he very briefly breaks that. But, you know, I think that this is one of the few times where you can look at this story and point to something that isn't a traditional part of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Like, Luke essentially swearing off violence is not as common a joint as the other things that Lucas pulls out throughout these films. And I think that that really works for the film, actually. I I think it it gives Luke a different look than you would have gotten from almost any other character in this, in this place. And, you know, this sequence is way longer than you think it is too. (laughs) Luke, Luke goes up that elevate that, that ship. And then, and then like, is in the elevator with Vader, like not quite halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't get off that, the the death star until it blows up. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a long sequence. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let, let's sort of wrap up the Endor stuff first so we can give more attention to Luke and Vader. So, as you mentioned before, there is a totally bullshit plan of how to <laughs> uh, take out these stormtroopers. The Ewoks are able to rig together incredible weaponry very quickly. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we get a... We get the converse of the famous "I love you, I know" scene from Empire, but with ha- with uh, Harrison Ford 
putting about 8% effort into that scene. <laughs> um, we, we get the saddest scene in any Star Wars, which is when that one Ewok dies. Oh, yep, yep. Again, a nice little, that's almost like the Rancor Keeper part where there's just, it, it, it hangs for just a little too long and, yep. and it gives it a little bit more depth. Yep. Um, by the way, have, have you heard, and this is not a rumor, this has been confirmed, that Lucas had asked David Lynch to direct this film? Yes, yeah. That's yeah. the only scene that would have made it. <laughs> Those two scenes, the death of the Ewok and the Rancor pits, uh, the Rancor like boss being sad. Those yeah. are the only two things that would have been kept in the David Lynch movie. Oh, uh, the Rancor Keeper would have sung a full rendition of Blue Velvet. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. You know, almost as weird as David Lynch directing a Star Wars film is Werner Herzog acting in one, but here oh, we are. It's so delightful, though. He's so good. It's Yeah. Yeah. And, and reestablishes that in the Star Wars universe, a parsec is a, like... Uh, area, area of, of land or space or whatever. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which imagine telling uh, Werner Herzog that he's got to say the word parsec. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, we also learned today that Werner Herzog's never seen a Star Wars movie, but watches WrestleMania. <laughs> That's the human condition, you know. I feel like he's he means WWE, but it says WrestleMania. But I like the idea of him just like. It is March. It is sixty dollars. It is WrestleMania. <laughs> just like goes on pay per view yeah. and buys an expensive three hour for whatever it is pay per view. Yep. Yeah, I like that a lot. He, he does. He doesn't normally have cable or anything, so he's every year he's on the phone with Comcast or something, and he's. <laughs> I, I just want the fun. Yes. <laughs> I don't have a box. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he just takes notes and writes backstories for all these characters, you know. <laughs> Why can no one see this John Cena? <laughs> it's delightful. Everything about Werner Herzog is delightful. <laughs> oh man anyway. this man has a sickness of the soul <laughs> he says that in every match for the heel man alright where were we uh, uh, any other Endor business we'll save the grand finale for the end yeah, yep. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Pissed any, about that musical choice as well. Yes, same here. Uh any other the endor comments? I don't think so. When I was a kid, my uncle used to have a cabin in upstate New York that was kind of in the middle of the woods and there was a like a, a little hill you could climb in the back. And when you climbed the hill, the top of the hill looked just like Endor. Mm. And as a little kid, that was the coolest thing in the whole world. Um yeah. Anyway. Uh blah, 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 blah. so we're back we're back on the Death Star. And so we had seen a little bit of the Emperor in Empire, but it's a different actor with, like, weird frog eyes or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we get the Emperor here, and this is the first time 
that we get the impression that Vader isn't the most powerful Jedi there is. You know, we didn't know the word Sith yet, um, but we we see how 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 he can you know force choke people, and he can you know pull things with with the force that are you know big and heavy. He just seems like the shit. And then you meet the Emperor, and you realize that Vader is sort of middle management, both in terms of what he does for the Empire, but also in his power set. Mm-hmm. And I always found the Emperor a very scary character as a kid. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and you're right about the Force Lightning thing. The the moments when like the lightning uh, goes up Luke's nose. Yeah. You know, like, and then at the end, when I think like you can see Vader's skeleton for like yep. a couple mm-hmm. frames, uh-huh. freaked the hell out of me when I was a kid. But those are the little moments that stick with you. And it's it's what makes this stuff classic, you know, um, re- nice little touches like that. Yeah, absolutely. There is um, there is something about this sequence that just doesn't. It just, it could have been so, so much more over the top. And every other choice in this film is over the top. And don't get me wrong, uh, you know, uh, our, our buddy Sheev Palpatine there, um, <laughs> he chews scenery whenever he can. Like There mm-hmm. is nothing subtle about Ian McDermott's performance as the Emperor. Oh, but, it's so good, though. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. But this whole sequence is much more understated than you'd expect it to be. Um, yeah. And it's really good. It's it's very, very well done. And, you know, Luke and Vader briefly fight, but neither one of them really wants to. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, that's late. Um, and they're both... You sort of see both of them grappling with the Emperor... At the same time, Vader is very resigned throughout this whole sequence. Where you can tell he's not happy about the choices he's made, but these are the choices he's made, and he has to he has to sort of stick with what he's done. And Luke is just single minded about trying to save his father. Mm-hmm. And and while while it's weird how Luke finds out about his entire family all kind of in the same day, more or less, um, you know, he's very quick to try and redeem his father. He's very, very quick to try and do every can to bring Vader back to the side of good, even though he has no experience whatsoever with the good Darth, with the good Anakin Skywalker. Um, and yeah, I, I I just I love this sequence, and I think the the sequence of specifically of the Force Lightning and Luke convincing Vader to 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 to, to turn on him and, and throwing the Emperor down the the shaft there that whole sequence is really emotionally satisfying, and. Just in just in terms of this conflict, a very satisfying way to wrap up this bit of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Do you um do you particularly like this sequence? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's I, I think 
you know, like I said earlier, so many, so many endings to these like epic stories tend to uh, disappoint or bother people. And I just think um, this one hits all the right notes, you know, it makes all the right choices. Um, It's essential star Wars because it's, it's, it's good versus evil, but there's always a sense of redemption or, you know, we're, we're seeing that in the new movies too, that, um, this idea that, that people maybe can still be redeemed or, or, you know, the, the, the underdog, uh, comes out on top, you know, that's not just a star Wars thing, but that's a, but that's a theme that star Wars has carried with it from the very beginning, you know, and, um, yeah, I think I think it just makes good on all of that stuff. I agree. And yeah, again, you don't need to know so much about the emperor to understand why he's evil. Mm-hmm. You don't need to understand so much about the empire to see why the empire is bad. A lot of the Oh, information- they're basically I mean they're I rewatching this, that opening sequence uh is Vader talking about the emperor coming with some of the stooges from the empire. Uh as they're trying to build the new Death Star and the, the Emperor's very unhappy with how the time that it's taking, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're all very, they're Nazis. They're all yes. extremely Nazis, you know? Yes. It couldn't, it couldn't be uh, more obvious that that's what we're dealing with here, you know? Yes. Space um, Nazis. Yeah, but I'm, I'm always kind of intrigued by when you watch these movies in a vacuum, how you get all the essential information, but there's very little exposition in these films. Mm-hmm. You're just, you just pick stuff up. Great thing about the Mandalorian, by the yes. way. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, by the time you're, you guys are hearing this, even if you're hearing this the day it drops, the second episode will already be out. So are you aware of that Vince new episode Friday? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's good. Um, all right, so we then get Luke taking the Vader's mask off, which again freaked me out as a kid for some reason. Um, oh, oh, horrifying! Yeah, <laughs> even though it's just like a, an old white dude under there, it's just for whatever reason it was just—I don't know if it's the coloration on his skin or whatever—he just he looks very sickly, and it's just yeah. Sebastian Stan is the actor under there. I always want to call Sebastian him... Stan. No, Sebastian Shaw. I just, I fuck, I just did it. I just, all, did. I, I fuck those names up all the time. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Sebastian Shaw is the actor under there. Sebastian Stan is uh, Bucky, Bucky, and Bucky I always Marks. fuck those up, always. Uh, but I want to do a cut of it when it's when it's the other one in each role. <laughs> Luke, Lucas is going to do uh, an updated version of Return of the Jedi where uh, he replaces Hayden Christensen with Sebastian Stan. Can't hurt. As they, <laughs> yep. Sorry, Hayden. You seem like a good guy, and you're probably a good actor. Those are just bad movies. <laughs> um, anywho, the um. So yeah, we get we get the the last you know the taking the mask off, and I don't think did you ever think about what Vader looked like under there? Because I don't think I ever did as a kid. Uh yeah, I kind of did because I had this um. I had this like essential character guide to the Star Wars universe or whatever. And it had like, you know, a hundred different Star Wars characters in it, mostly from the movies, but there were some that were from, you know, whatever extended universe books were out at the time. Mm -hmm. This is like a nineties product. So, 
you know, a lot more had come after that. Uh, but there was a very vivid description of how Darth Vader came to be Darth Vader, including the whole thing about the vo- falling into the volcanic. Yes, yes. You know, I remember reading all of that as a kid and then imagining that when you saw Vader, he was going to be this burnt up husk. So I thought about it all the time. And, um, and I remember like part of the fright of the reveal was just not knowing what you were going to see, you know, is this going to be some really gross? And obviously back then I wouldn't have thought of it in these terms, but is this going to be some gross Cronenbergian? Like, (laughs) is it going to look like the fly? There's a guy like falling apart underneath this. And then it turned out to just to be like an ashy white guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, which was also scary yes. uh, with his eyebrows, not burnt off, you know? Um, I think in the special editions, they fixed that, but, uh, but in the originals, he's just got fixed these... is a strong word. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Changed yeah. That. <laughs> they changed it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I did think about it though, because I thought like reading that sequence in that book made me think like, Oh, he's good. He's gotta be so messed up under there that he's gotta be on this. Plus, in Empire... You but hadn't see... you seen this movie first? Uh, no, not not before reading... No, 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 oh, no. okay, okay. No, I I had this character guide... Uh, <laughs> before I was, like, um, brave enough to watch the movies, you know? Okay, okay. God, I sound like a, I sound like a real uh, wimp. <laughs> and maybe I was, but... Um, was yeah um <laughs> just yeah kidding. just kidding you yeah. like football you're not a wimp yeah plus i'm the spoilers boy i always have been so that is true <laughs> yeah now see what i was gonna say is like you know i i had seen the films before reading anything or whatever but even when i rewatched the movies i wouldn't think like under that mask is sebastian shaw like it is it just i don't know why it just I guess probably because you were thinking it was Sebastian Stan. Probably I was thinking of Sebastian Stan. You're right. Um, yeah, but just I don't know. It just for whatever reason it didn't. I guess the look is so iconic mm-hmm. that it's easy to get caught up in the look. Sure. Like, uh, have you watched Star Wars Rebels? No. There's there's one scene in Rebels where Vader's mask gets cracked, and you can see like his eye through the mask, and it's very much. The Anakin Skywalker of the Clone Wars eye behind there, uh, uh-huh. and it sort of freaks you out. You're like, "Oh yeah, that's who that is." Like, even if you know it, it's just that Darth Vader is so different than Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, and so iconic, such an iconic image. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, there's the great line, you know, where Luke says, "You know, I can save you," and he says, "You already have my son," and that's mm. I, I remember even as a kid finding that line very emotional and satisfying yeah um but then we get we get the funeral pyre for a jedi where where luke burns vader's armor and uh and we get the force theme one last time my favorite musical cue in the whole trilogy Mm -hmm. um that's a beautiful sequence yeah very very well done and then we get in the original editions the ewok celebration song yub nub yub nub which my kids love, by the way. I love it. Oh, I love it too. But I'm saying it's like it, it transcends generations. It does, yub, yeah. Yub. Um, and it was just one of the mistakes that I think that Lucas made with the special editions is he just overthought everything too much. 
mm-hmm. but simultaneously didn't follow any of his thoughts to their logical conclusions. Like, yeah. All you care about at the end of Star Wars is Luke, Leia, and Han celebrating. Doesn't matter yeah. what they're doing on Coruscant. Really doesn't matter at all. Like you, just, you oh, want that's to... right, because they show that, don't they? They show all these other planets celebrating. Uh, ugh. And it doesn't matter. First of all, no one knows there's a second Death Star. So blowing up the second Death Star would mean nothing to anyone in a different part of the galaxy, because people don't know what's there. That's number one. Number two, Imperial forces didn't blow up when the Death Star blew up. So if on Coruscant people start rioting, the fucking Empire's going to kill them. Like, the Empire didn't stop giving out instructions when the Death Star blows up. Right. No, there are books about this. The Emperor is presumed still alive after this. So why would everybody just start celebrating all over the galaxy? Uh Uh-huh. It makes no sense. Yep. And it takes you away. You want to see those characters celebrating. You want to see an Ewok playing Stormtrooper Helmets like a xylophone for some reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I, I I have three comments about the Ewok celebration, and I think all three are true no matter which edition you watch. Number one, I love that Wedge Antilles is there. Yeah. I love that Wedge, Wedge is the guy who is the only other pilot to survive all three films. Uh, love that he shows up there. There's a great sequence of him and um, Lando talking, and they're like... Lando's like gesticulating with his hands wildly, like he's telling the story of how this all happened. And it's just a very, I think it's just a very like realistic thing that you would see at a party, right? Lando's probably mm-hmm. a little bit too much Ewok wine and he's just getting <laughs> a little bit too comfortable telling the story. So I love that. Um, I love the, the aforementioned playing the, the, the helmet, like a xylophone. And the scene of Luke looking over at the Force Ghosts is genuinely moving. Yep. Except when they put Hayden Christensen in there. <laughs> right. It just yeah. serves no purpose to have Hayden Christensen there. No, no, it, no, makes no sense. Again, I don't care what he, anyone says. Luke would say, who? Yeah. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. Who's that hot <laughs> ghost over there? Ex- excuse me, sir. What are you doing here? <laughs> Come here often? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's weird. That's, that is. Yeah. Um, Great points. But yeah, um, the, that that scene with him looking over at the Force Ghosts and then Leia coming over and clearly not seeing them um, is is a poignant scene for a few reasons. First of all, it, it's it's all the people who came before him telling him, like, good job, Luke. You know, I, I like that part of it. But it also is sort of a, a look into his future where he has to be pulled back into the land of the living for a bit because... As a Jedi, he's just going to not, he's going to always be separate from everything else. And I don't know if that was implied in the writing of it, but I've always kind of taken like Luke is looking at who he really is and where he's going. And he has, to, he leaves that behind temporarily to go be with his friends. Mm-hmm. And I always really like that. Yeah, that's great. What do you think about the Ewok celebration? Uh, well, I just want to make I, everything you said was great. Um, I just want to make one more point about the music because because it really does bother me because what I think happened in my mind is that Lucas maybe thought that the Yub Nub song was 
dated or something too silly because it or too silly which is weird because the all the whole Ewok yep. thing uh-huh. is silly. Yep. But it 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 kind of does sound like a Muppet or like Sesame Street song. Oh, absolutely. But it, that's what makes the it fra- great. It's the Fraggle Rock theme song, it, slightly it remixed. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It absolutely is. But then following, the, so then he re- he replaces it with something completely unmemorable. It's something. I, it's something like gutless and pan flute driven if i remember correctly i i could not tell you what it sounds like i could i could sing you yub nub i'm not going to but i could sing you yub nub could not tell you what the celebration song sounds like or anything but then the weird thing about that is the max rebo band stuff in the beginning of the movie presumably changes that song for the same reason i guess except replaces it with something that now sounds extremely dated. Yes. You know? So it just goes to show that like, not like you said, like he overthought things. Sometimes the choices he make makes like with the special editions contradict one another in weird ways. Yes. Just not a good idea to be, you know, it's been said a million times, but there's a reason that people fell in love with these movies. We don't need to mess with them. Yeah. What's interesting is that, like, th- so Disney as yet has not uh, re-released the original cuts or despecialized editions or whatever. But so I, I have been indoctrinating my kids into Star Wars for many years already, and my daughter has Star Wars pajamas, and on the pajamas they have various things like the Rebel Alliance crest. And there's an X-Wing on there, and there's a couple of droids on there. And in big letters, it says Yubnub on there. <laughs> and, like, if you don't have a dad like me who has bootleg old old versions of the films, no kid who wears those would know what Yubnub meant. Because you can't see that scene anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And I find that really interesting that Disney is choosing to use that because I mean, they're using it for guys like me. So I'll buy it for my daughter. Right. But yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if they recognize that that's a more kid friendly thing and will eventually restore that for that purpose. Me? me? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird that, that we still don't have the original editions. It it is, it, yeah, but I guess when you have like a billion dollars or whatever, you can you can decide that nobody's gonna see those, you know. Now, do you remember that they put out DVDs? This was when I was in college. Yes, that had that had both on them. Yes, except the the I believe um, some pedant can correct me if I'm wrong, but. I believe what the deal was was that the special editions were on the first disc and they were remastered. So like as good as a DVD could look at that point, because there weren't Blu-rays yet. Right. And the originals were not. And the originals were like the originals. You could see the shitty outlines around like the TIE fighters, like the the black boxes. Yes, they weren't even the THX remasters in the 90s. Yes, exactly. Yep, yep. But you know what? I would rather watch 
them in that form than ever watch the special editions again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'm trying to think which is the worst special edition, A New Hope or, or Jedi. I I think it's A New Hope. The Jabba sequence just sucks so much. It does. Um, all the weird stuff that they added in to crowd the the scenery when they're flying into Moss Eisley on the mm-hmm. on the speeder. Uh, yeah. On the speeder, the, yeah. There's just like there's like monsters walking in the front of the screen for some reason, like obscuring background details. Um, yeah, it's not plus, good. Plus the Greedo thing. The Greedo thing is the worst, yeah. Although the now, Java. now it's good again. <laughs> it's, it's it'll never be good again. Hey, McClunky did a lot McClunky. of uh, McClunky did, did a lot of good for it. <laughs> oh man. Um. Now the one thing I did want to kind of end on here is you know you're a little bit younger than I am, but we're essentially of the same era of Star Wars fans. For a long time, this was the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. When you were a kid, there were when we were kids, there was always the rumors they were going to do sequels. But did you ever think you would see a Star Wars film beyond this, really? No, I didn't. But I was I was young and naive, you know. Yeah. That's kind of why the um, the ending works so well and hit so hard for me all those years ago too, because you really felt like this was, Oh my God, like this is it. And it ended perfectly, you know? Um, it's a minor miracle that, and I know, I know it's kind of controversial and people feel a lot of ways about it, but it's a minor miracle that the new movies are not bad, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, they're good. Like, I really like The Last Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens I like a lot, too. But, but like, just that they didn't completely bungle this when they had, a, a like, a perfect ending wrapped up, you know? Well, I, I think that the—I really think if Lucas didn't do the prequels, we would have never gotten the new ones. Sure. Oh, I yeah. Just, I just think that everybody involved thought, we can't leave it on that note. We we have to get that that icky taste out of our mouths, and do good Star Wars again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I would love to someday sit down with George Lucas, and just try and understand him a little bit better. So I think the guy is fascinating. Yeah, and in all I think, I think he's a Wars, good guy. It yeah. seems like a good guy. I was just gonna say, especially in all non Star Wars things, he seems like a really good guy. Like he donates a lot of money to charity. Um, he's been seen in public wearing a Han shoots first T-shirt, which is you know funny, um, especially because he's the one who changed that so many yeah, times. Yeah, that's what is man. What are you doing? Um, yeah, he he does have one of the worst uh, beards in human history because he shaves it right before his second chin. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, but it's a terrible look. Man, we're gonna. Oh man, okay. I'm just saying, right. grow, grow your beard differently, George. <laughs> he used to have a great beard in the '80s. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. Um, but yeah, no, I I really felt like this was the end of Star Wars, and when I discovered 
the um, Timothy Zahn trilogy. Almost said Steve Zahn for a second there. Very different person. <laughs> now that would be different. He's, yeah. he's due for a renaissance. <laughs> he is. A zonification of the... Of the uh, <laughs> yeah. Of, anyway. So when, when I found those books, it was the first time I was aware of there being an extended universe outside the films. And it blew my mind because... In my mind, there were three Star Wars films. There were a couple of Ewok films. There was that Shitty Droids TV series. Mm -hmm. And that was all Star Wars was to me. And so when my mind was sort of expanded with these new books and all that, then new movies became less important, too, because there were more stories. And I didn't care if it was a book or a movie. I just wanted there to be Star Wars stories. And since Return of the Jedi we've seen such an influx of stories that now there are so many Star Wars stories, I can't possibly ingest them all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they really went buck wild with the, with the books and everything. Yeah. So before we let you go, Vince, what is, what is your ranking of at least the top couple Star Wars films? You don't have to give us the whole. Oh boy. Shebang. Uh, well, Empire. Mm-hmm. Honestly, The Last Jedi, mm -hmm. A New Hope. Mm -hmm. you, you can leave, you can leave it there if you want to. No, I gotta get to I gotta get to Jedi. Okay. Um, Force Awakens, Jedi, um, Rogue One. Haven't actually seen Solo yet. If you can really, it. yeah, have have not. Don't know why. Haven't done it. Do you have Netflix? I do. I know it's on there. That's my 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 uh, wife and stepdaughter watched wife. it without me. How did that happen? I we were probably recording a, a DC three cast. Oh, I'm sorry, pal. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all right. Um, and then you know, I've always been a uh, Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, uh, Attack of the Clones guy. Oh, so you like Phantom Menace the best of the three? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Somewhere down the road, we have to do a show with you and me and Matt Garcia. Uh huh. Because Matt thinks that Phantom Menace is the worst of the prequels. Sure. Which I cannot believe. Um, and I think that uh, Clones is the worst of the prequels, but I think that Sith is the best of the prequels. Yeah. So we'll have to have that conversation one day. Um. But yeah, you should you should see Solo. It's fun. I might. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I don't know. I just don't. You know, sometimes like once I miss something, I just don't. I just never see it. I'll never see Suicide Squad. Uh, I will change that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey, if I have to make you do a solo watch along to watch it, I'll do that too. So, uh, anyway. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Force Ghost is now weekly until the end of the year, so you'll be getting lots of fun Star Wars stuff. Next week, we'll be talking Mandalorian. After that, I will, I will have uh, Multiversity Manga Club co-hosts Walter and Emily on to talk about The Force Awakens. It's uh, lots of fun stuff coming up before the end of the year. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Vince is not on Twitter, um, but he is always watching the skies for celebratory fireworks, just like on Endor. Just so that I can sing Yub Nub. Exactly. 
Exactly. We. I wonder if there are karaoke bars that have Yub Nub. Oh, for sure. You gotta find one of those, and then not go to it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you can follow the show at Force Goes C two C. Go to Multiversity Comics and uh, watch The Mandalorian. And remember, as always, the Force will. Thank you.